Welcome to the first Views from the Box of the Year. Happy New Year to our listeners. Before I introduce our guests and Nana, guys, pause this video, follow our socials, will be below. Share this with a friend and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Bahayo, Nana, how are you both doing? Yeah, my man, that's coming. You're just pissed off lately, fam. All right. Like, like too many idiots on Twitter, fam, running their fucking miles like, 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 like a tactical son. And I, I, how, how, about, <laughs> how about you, Hayo? What are you saying? I'm good, man. No, I love for having me back on. Nah, yeah, not... it's been an interesting few weeks. Nah, it has, it has. Nah, I'm surprised that you're not annoyed because, um, like, with also, I know they didn't play this weekend, but there's been pictures circulating. I don't know if you saw it. Your man, your manager eating meat off another man. I haven't been careful because it was... Why going for that? Also, fans started a joke, and now they're crying that the media got a hold of it and taking the piss. I'm thinking, the shot, man, that you, you guys started the joke. Like, the you media. don't like the guy. You started clowning him, and now the media does it. Yeah, you're crying, bro. Like, that, man. Wait, what did the media do? There were articles saying that... It was just wrote, like, a, a bullshit article just chatting with shit about Arteta, fam. I, I didn't even care. I didn't even care, bro. Like, also fans started the joke, and that's, and that's the result of it. I was like, fair enough. Like, fans do it to themselves. I don't care. Well, that's silly that the media had to talk on that. But let's let's start with games that happened this weekend. Let's start with the High Old Derby, his two favorite clubs, United and Spurs. <laughs> Since it was your derby, Hayo. Firstly, who are you supporting today? And what, what did you think of the game? I was behind Spurs today, I'll be honest. Um, why, why were you behind Spurs? Why were you doing why have you United? I'm a, I'm really fond of their project. Like I think I think the project's got like quite like potentially has a higher ceiling. Um, and I know everybody like that's such a like kind of um. It it feels like such an overused term like projects and all that kind of stuff, but it it definitely does feel like a like a project I suppose, and um, I just feel as though they have something the bones of something really interesting. They're starting to assemble a squad which looks at the very least like they care and they're passionate about. Um, not only playing for the club, but also about like, the the manager's ethos, values, and ideals, and um, they play really interesting. They play really, really good football. Like I feel like on a on um on their day, they're they're a match for anybody. I think if Son and Basuma um, and Kulisevsky were not unavailable today, either through injury or through international duty. I think that would have been a comfortable victory or a more comfortable victory for Spurs. They would have um, steamrolled United today. Yeah, because the problem for them is that as much as though as much as they had uh, most of the ball, they didn't have much penetration, and a lot of their play was, if it wasn't in front of Manchester United, um, the opportunities that they did get to attack them from out wide. They had some really poor quality from guys like Werner and um, Brennan Johnson, who, are, uh, to be honest, Brennan Johnson, I think, needs a little bit more scrutiny. That was 15 million that was put down on him. Um, but, yeah, notwithstanding that, I think if if Spurs had had players like Son, Kulisevsky and Basuma, who have the ability to either unlock or strike a ball very well, um, unlock a defense or strike a ball very well. I feel like they probably would have would have been more comfortable today. Um, Man United still big problems, and and to be honest, that draw, I think flattered. is a really. It, say that again. I think it flattered them the draw. Yeah, yeah. It flattered them, but it's another it's another opportunity for Ten Hag to go away, 
and a whole load of breeze and just say look that we had you know we should have won the game in the last minute with McTominay's like he I can already envisage everything that you already know what his script say, is right? you know what his script Actually, is yeah, you know? let me pre to it and see what, what you said still <laughs> yeah, he definitely what... mentioned that should have won the game um, great in transition great counter attacking maybe not the right final ball um but I, I I believe that his message will generally overall be they should have won the game, and it and it 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 um absolves him of 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 real scrutiny, which is um which is for me very frustrating. I think Man United need to um, they need to There's hire a better coach. Some of the quotes coming out: um, we have to stick together and grow as a team. Senior players are coming back, and the young players are, are developing very good. That's one quote that's come out. I'm happy that you actually. What are, some of the what does it even mean? <laughs> but I'm I'm happy that Nana actually pulled out his quotes because I think you can link that to Ange. Kyle is saying no Kulisevsky, which is Spurs' most creative player. No Son, which is Spurs Spurs' biggest goal threat. Or oh, Kulisevsky, Spurs' second most creative player. No, no wait, more quotes, Spurs. more quotes, quickly, more quotes. One more quote. We scored two great goals and conceded two very soft goals. Anyway, yeah, forget that one. I'm not even gonna. He just says what, like, he literally just says what happens in the game. But like, with Kulisevsky, this missing Madison, the missing Basuma, the missing Son, and Ange still plays the same way. He still presses the same way, still defends in the same way, still attacks in the same way, still builds up in the same way, and Spurs still create chances, chance after chance after chance. What what? whoever's out on the pitch. And that's what you can say is good coaching with Ange. Yes, you can say he might be naive sometimes. Some of the goals that Spurs concede, some of the chances mm -hmm. that Spurs concede is naive. No coach is perfect. But in terms of the way they attack games, whoever is starting for them, you have to give them credit. And with Ten Hag, you can give him that same grace because he's always been saying, players are out, players are out, players are out. Even when he had his starting team, it's been a while or it's been far and few between that United have played as well as Spurs have played this season. So the difference in coaching and time and money that both coaches have had is very stark and alarm bells must be ringing for Manchester United fans. United fans who don't think Tim Hart should go, I don't know what else they need to see because the underlying stats and what you see on the pitch week in, week out is beyond a disgrace. Yeah, but I think um, how summed it up earlier in the season. Tim Hart adapts to what he has. Costa Koglu came in and said, this is how I want to play. I don't care if you're crap at it. This is how we're going to play, sink or swim. And the Spurs players have acted accordingly. It is what it is. And that's how you should be as a coach. And that's Ten Hag's biggest problem. He's even crazier here. He came in with the most power a United coach has had here since post-Fergie. He had full reign to strip this squad and gut it down. But yet he's kept the mid and signed more mid. And now he's in the deep end. So if I'm Sergeant Ratcliffe here, I'm not spending anything in January. I'm just going to watch to the end of the season, then just cut the cord. Even from now, um, Ineos should be interviewing um, candidates because they've, they've, they've managed to secure the new CEO, director of football. Has that all been, been sorted yet or still in, in the works? It's still in the works. And rumours are he's speaking to Dan Ashworth. Um, so it's still in the works. I wouldn't be surprised if it's announced towards the end of the season or in the summer. Okay, but the quicker they can get a director of football in, quicker they can start, you know, drafting the shortlist for candidates to replace Ten Hagers and start interviewing because come June 1st, that's been a new culture. They can start, you know, recruiting ASAP. Even like what you said about what Hyle said that Ten Hag 
adapts and and says this is how we're gonna play it just shows a different mentality I feel like coaches who play the same way and are stubborn those are coaches that are normally at big sides look at Jurgen Klopp look at Pep Guardiola these guys wherever whoever they're playing against they want to play the exact same way even if they're down to 10 Liverpool have been down to 10 a couple times this season we still want to press we still want to play the same way but managers who adapt to the opposition we saw it with Antonio Conte at Spurs and you saw how Spurs were we saw it with Jose Mourinho he went from being one of the best managers in the world to managing Roma, who are not really doing that well. And Ten Hag, it's looking like he's more in the Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte defensive lower table teams than in the Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. He came in and said eras come to an end. Maybe his era at a top club comes to an end because he's not ending any <laughs> era. I can't remember that interview, fam. Like, eras come to an end. Oh, my. Like, to chat like that, year after Pep and Klopp had gone back back had another season whereby they've both accumulated 90 points. And man said errors come to an end. Yes, his boys are slapping on that bald head from He's smoking the maddest. I think the problem for Man United, though, will be identifying a new candidate. Yeah, because um, me and Daniel have discussed it off, off camera. The quality of coaches here is either the old school, whereby Pep and Klopp are all-timers, they're already at their clubs, and Chilotti is basically on granddad time, chilling, enjoying himself, sipping the pina colada at Real Madrid. You got Conte who's washed, Mourinho who's washed, and below that you have young coaches. Simeone's not leaving Atletico as well. Yeah, he, he he's a finger status at Madrid right now, so he ain't leaving. Uh, then you got the tier below, which is young up and coming coaches who will need time and have their flaws. So for United, it's either a Nagelsmann or a Potter or Ratcliffe goes and takes the coach that he had at Nice. But even though, even then, that coach, I have questions about his system because Nice don't score enough goals but they don't concede. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult situation to be in right now. Yeah, I think I would echo a lot of those thoughts. But And I also think just to like piggyback off that, I feel as though... um, I, I, I feel as though like profile, like profiles of coaches suit certain clubs, particularly yeah. like, like... Particularly when you think about like the, the big, great kind of historical clubs. They need, in my opinion, and, you know, it's not necessarily evidenced in any, like, robust science, but you just feel as though there's something almost, like, spiritual and in terms of the connection between, like, a certain profile of manager and a certain profile of club. Like, you look at Arsenal and Arteta is honest and true to the values of, like, in many ways of, of an Arsene Wenger, you know? Like, there, there's a similar appreciation for playing a positive style of play, playing a a positional style of play, playing a possession heavy style of play. Front foot yeah, front foot football and and you know, like that kind of attention to detail and almost scientific approach to to scoring goals is is important to Arsenal. And then you've got Liverpool, like historically I feel like when Liverpool have been at their best, they've been sort of rock and roll, you know, like and introducing Jurgen Klopp in 2015 was really like a you know, really honest to the, the the traditions and ethos of the club. It feels like feels, feels like right. Club club feels like an extension of the cop. Even the names, like there's something even like cop, the cop, club, Arsene Wenger, Arsenal, like now Arteta. Like I know it's like I sound like one of them man them that's on like horoscopes and that, but <laughs> there's something there's something about 
the way in which managers and clubs connect that I think is almost like quite spiritual. And a lot of it is grounded in like just the values, the historical values of a club. Yeah. And um, like a really great example of like a huge mismarriage is Mourinho and Man United, like as great of a coach um, Mourinho has been over the years, Man United's like intrinsic in like, you know, inherent style of play is they want to play Probably more similar to how Liverpool play, how more yeah, similar to Klopp plays, you know, like entertain the fans direct, yeah, forward, yeah exactly. Direct. Take risks, bad risks on the pitch. Yeah, That's it. I feel like Man United to me, like I really appreciate like a Roberto De Zerbi. I really appreciate. I still, I even still appreciate a Graham Potter. I, I really appreciate, um, um uh, even a Chabi Alonso who's coming through the ranks. And I think there's the temptation to just go and get the next hot prospect. But I feel as though Man United need a master communicator off the pitch and a manager who's brave on the pitch. And like, I don't know who that manager is. I don't know if they're currently out there or if they're going to like unearth themselves over the next few years. But I think until Man United find that person, they're not gonna be the Man United that we recognize. I don't. I don't see this, the the fit between a Roberto De Zerbi and a Man United, for example. I don't see the fit between a Graham Potter and a Man United. If Graham Potter isn't charismatic enough for me, he's not a great communicator enough. He's not a big enough personality. Yeah. Like if you look at Pep and Klopp, they are huge personalities. The, the, their personalities are as big as the club. You know, they are. They he's are. The they are the central figure. They are the the demagogue of the club. They're both the biggest superstars at the club. Club. Normally, it's the players, but at City and Liverpool, Klopp's the biggest superstar at Liverpool and Pep's the biggest superstar. And it was that with Ferguson at Man United, wasn't it? Like, you know, there was the old saying, no player is bigger than the club. It's almost though as if no player is bigger than the manager. And like, Mm -hmm. the manager has ultimate control. And I think the person who's been closest to that is Jose Mourinho, personality-wise, master communicator off, on, off the pitch and like has the ego and the personality but the values on the pitch just aren't true to the traditions of Man United and I think that's where the tension lies or lay so Man United need to find their they need to find their clock they need to find their Shankly they need to find their 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 their, their, their Ferguson you know um, I'll caveat that by saying yes United need to uh, find that and Hyle's probably going to be happy at me saying this but United first and foremost, need to fix everything that supports the manager. Because with Klopp, Klopp was allowed to succeed and succeed as quickly as possible. Yes, due to his charisma, due to his tactics. But Liverpool's transfer team was still there. People talk about, yes, uh, the t- um, team wanted Salah, Klopp wanted Julian Brandt. The team wanted Salah well before. They wanted Salah before he went to Chelsea. So he was in the books in terms of the way they were scouting players. That was in place since the new owners came in. United need that for the manager because I honestly feel if Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola go to Manchester United, I'm not saying they're going to fail because they're too good to fail, but they wouldn't do as well as they can just due to the structure behind them. Yes, Nana got onto Eric Ten Hag before, but the Anthony signing is probably the best example. Anthony was looked at at United when OGS was there, valued him at 20 million. If a manager comes to you and says, I want a player that we valued at 20 million for 86 million, if there was a good structure there, you just say no, move on to the next, or 
you want this profile of player, he's 86 million. However, we can find similar profiles of players or better for this amount of, for this price. So I feel like United need to get that structure in place. It might not take one, two seasons. It might take a while, but I think that's more important because if you get the next plot, the next pep, if you still have the same structure, you're not going to succeed, in my opinion. Yeah, but a um, question to Hayo, um, do you think Nagelsmann could be a fit for United or even a handsy flick? No. They, like, for, for me, honestly, maybe, maybe I'm being overly dogmatic and a little bit romantic about it. But I, I, I don't, as I said, I don't think that there's anybody out there on the market other than the managers who are at some of the other biggest clubs in the world, yeah. Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp, who have the charisma, the personality, the charm, the communication skills. Like, that is massive, you know, like... That's, that enables you to be able to manage both up and down. It helps you to be able to manage the stakeholders that Daniel's just spoken about. Because when you assemble that that sporting unit of a sporting director, a technical director, recruitment, head of recruitment, what have you, and then you also have all of the coaching staff, then you also have all of the like staff within the club, right down to like the receptionist, you know, right down to the people who work in the, you know, the, the sports scientists who work on the, in the data analysis or the people who work in the gym, you know, the, the trainers in the gym or the people who, the masseuses, the physios, all of these, like all of these people want to be made to feel just as good as the players want to be made to feel. And the best coaches and communicators, the people who kind of marry up, um, it's, for me, it's both almost like ruthlessness, but also empathy, you know, like, it, to be honest, it's it's almost like this is it's almost like modern leadership. Like you, like beyond the football world, I feel like those are the people who people want to work for in the, in in non-footballing environments or non-sporting environments and in sporting environments. There's people who people want to play for, you know, like a coach who believes in you but is also like can clip you around the ear and make you realize that like you got to stay in line. And um, I think some coaches are a little bit too far one way or the other. Like I feel like somebody like Ten Hag to me just strikes me as like ultra disciplinarian. I don't, and and he's not a very effective communicator. I think actually it's oh. a poor communicator. And I don't think it's just on account of his poor English. I just think like as a person, he's a little bit of a klutzy, clumsy guy. Who's probably a little bit of like an evil scientist who just focuses on like- Very blunt. Yeah, he's blunt, isn't he? Um, whereas you've got someone like Ange who isn't super like, arm round the shoulder, but really makes players feel like they're 10 feet tall and really makes players feel as though like, not only did we believe in the system, but he's like an old uncle who's got wisdom and who's got ideas that can inspire. And like, when you hear players speak about their coaches, that's where you learn so much about their man management skills yeah. and their ability to like manage not only players, but also the whole- The whole structure of the, the club. Whole structure of the club. Um, I think Man United are really missing that person, man. I want to hone in on Ange because, yes, we spoke about United, <laughs> but I want to speak on the team that's on the up. And you said that you're excited about Spurs' project. Yeah. I honestly feel like we need to give Ange props because, yes, of course, I called him a mate merchant. Yes, after Liverpool lost to Spurs, his comments about VAR annoyed me. But 
if you look at it from an objective point of view, what he's doing with Spurs this season is nothing short of amazing. Now, f- forget where they are right now. Coming into the season, firstly, nobody, unless you watch Scottish football, hardly anyone knew who Ant Postacoglu was. Nobody expected Spurs after 21 games, all by, yes, Arsenal, City, Arsenal City and Liverpool have played one game less. They're three points behind Arsenal, three points behind City, five points behind Liverpool. Coming to the season after 21 games, nobody would have said that. And to add on to that, he lost his best player on the eve of the Premier League season. Like, chat to me about Ant Postacoglu because I think what he's doing this season is nothing short of remarkable. And I, the early signs of what I'm seeing with Spurs is, I'm not saying it's the same. I don't think it's going to yield the same results, but it's similar to the early signs that I saw at Liverpool. It's similar to the early signs that I saw at Arsenal under Arteta. Yeah. What do you guys think about Ange? Because I think he's doing very well at the minute. I think for Spurs right now, to be fair, I think they'll come forth anyway. I think they're, 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 the way they play is way more sustainable than Aston Villa's style of play. So I do back Spurs to come top four if they win the majority of their games. Once they get Champions League, then they can build from there and see what, what type of players they can attract to elevate the level of their squad. Then we can see how far they can go with it. So I think the most point for them right now is get that fourth place and build from there. What do you think, Haya, about what Ange has done and where he can take Spurs in the future? Because Nana says he can build from there, but even look at his signings. Mickey van der Ven, what a transformative signing. Vicario, he's, yeah. he's arguably... The second best keeper in the Premier League on performance. And this season, you can say he's been the best performing keeper. And that's that's a big statement with Allison there, who hasn't been bad. So Madison as well. Those are three transformative signings. That's without Champions League. And then he convinced this guy from Genoa to join Spurs over Bayern Munich, which isn't a small feat. And I, I want to lie, um, the, the guy's agent was was chatting worse about Spurs. So he, he was saying that um Madrid and Barcelona is the dream. Basically, no, he, but do you see what his dad said though? Uh, that's what his dad said. Yeah, like what's it called? This his um the defender had a long conversation with Ange, and Ange convinced him about the project. And his son is very excited, and his son wants to become the best centre back in the world. But he knows that he's not the best centre back in the world. And with Ange and the way Spurs play, he can help him to become that. Like when you yeah. hear stuff like yeah, when you hear stuff like that, like what like what Hayo said, like when you hear people speak about managers, that's when you're just like raw. So yeah, like drugs you saw that, I'm just like raw. Yeah, Dragons' ambitions are, are, are cute for him, are cute, but he needs to relax him, like, relax him, but best him back in the world, you know, relax, there's no with him. I think, we, we obviously, we will have to see more of how the Ange, um, the Ange journey unfolds at Spurs, like, it is still really early days, obviously, I've, I've, I've been quite vocal about, like, how fond I am of, of Ange, like, much to my detriment, because you lot just mugged me off about it. But... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm really fond of him because I because I think he has a lot of the same traits and characteristics of um the managers that you mentioned, particularly somebody like Klopp. Um and but he's probably a little bit more kind of sturdy, a little bit slightly more thoughtful. I think Klopp's more emotional, a little bit more sort of um like uncle, like you know, like you know, like like you'll have the uncle who will like come round and like slip you a tenner, yeah. Like, that and and like, won't tell your mum, yeah, on a sly. That's Klopp. Whereas Ange is a little bit more like the dad who you're worried about, but you just want to who you who you fear. Sorry, but 
you just want to please him. All you want to like, you know, I think Thierry Henry's been speaking about it in, in his like all his interviews about yeah. how much like, he just wanted to like impress his dad. Like, and I feel like Ange gives similar vibes. Um, and he's obviously really good at motivating and inspiring people. He knows how to trigger something inside of you, which just makes you feel like I'm gonna run through brick walls for this guy. I think, I think though, obviously, like things can go wrong. You know, we don't know. Um, and and not just things can go wrong. Other like really great teams can emerge. Like we 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 don't know what's gonna happen next year. Liverpool could could have a really great summer window. Chelsea could sort themselves out, maybe change managers. Man United, we don't know what's going to happen at Man United. There's so many variables that come into play, but I think Spurs do look as though next season, for me, they should be a top four regular at the very least, um, provided they get the transfer window right. Um, that, for me, is actually the big contentious part because as much as you've said that they've done really well with like, Vicario and Mickey van der Ven and Madison, Pedro, Madison yeah, like Pedro fantastic Poro. signings. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic signings. And they've they've done all of these signings kind of on the sly as well. Like they've not been like particularly high profile. They've not really bit like but there's not really been a single sort quietly. But at the other end of the pitch, the signings haven't been particularly impressive. Like Brennan Johnson, for me, it is a concern. Um, Timo Werner, I know it's just a loan deal, but I, I, I'm not convinced that that's going to be a favourable signing for Spurs. Richarlison, to his credit, is actually starting to like um, just to make an impact, and obviously he scored a goal today again. He's like got like an okay amount of goals this season, um, but they do need to make sure that they have a succession plan for Human Son because they're overly reliant on him. Like his legacy as a as a as a Premier League icon um needs somebody successfully to replace that. I think in 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 a way, Liverpool are in a similar position where they've got an even better player in Mo Salah, who's a Premier League legend. And Liverpool probably need to think about what succession looks like, but Liverpool do still have really effective goal scorers at the other end of the pitch, even if they're not getting anywhere near the numbers that Salah's getting, you can Spurs, still rely on... Spurs don't. Yeah, you can still rely on a Jota, a Gakpo, a um, Nunez at the best of times to bail you out. You, with Spurs, you actually think, where there's no, where's a goal coming from here? If it's not... On if a it's consistent not, basis. Worried, well. They're not going to... Yeah, exactly. So I think a lot will hinge on if they're able to take it to the next level with recruitment in the summer... And I, and I actually don't know who they can go after because it kind of goes back to the conversation that we was we were having before we jumped on a call, which is around like who are the goal scorers in Europe now, like that people would identify, or who's somebody that looks like they have the potential to become a regular goal scorer, or like because obviously a lot of the like people who are goal scorers, like your Ossimens or your I don't know whoever else is out there, are, are ridiculously overpriced and and totally out of Spurs' budget, so. Yeah, I think I think that will be the big question mark in the summer is what are they going to be doing about that that those attacking positions? But I'll just to sum up, I think Andrew's great. Um, he will have his ups and downs and continue to have his ups and downs this season. But I still think that the the destination is going to be is going to be worth it.
whether that leads to a trophy or not is is another question. I'm I'm interested to see how the journey proceeds because I think 21 games in, he's done really well. Even in the games that they've lost, I think there's hardly been a game where Spurs have lost, bar the game, the 9-1 and the 9-men one, where Mm. They don't. They they always have chances in every game that they play. They there's always a period of time where you think Spurs could have scored three goals here. But look, yeah. let's let's see what happens. But let's move on to the blue side of Manchester City, Newcastle, and let's not even beat around the bush. There's only one place to start, as Hayo likes to call him, the dead man, the Undertaker, the oppressor, the oppressor. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne, Dave Master. <laughs> That cameo, what was it? 25 minutes, four minutes in, and you score a goal. Like the thing- from 25 yards, bro. He passed it. That's what it is. You know, you know, it's that. It's that. It's like it's the the reason the reason I've been talking and I've been talking is because like the things he's doing. I don't know how to articulate this. Like Gerard Lampard, you know. Scores to a lesser degree, but particularly someone like Gerard, yeah, in terms of like doing things, that, uh, goal scoring actions that would be like outrageous, would be like yo, like he's done it again, like. But it's it's the finesse with which De Bruyne is doing things, which is like I've not, I wouldn't even think like Gerard would just smash it for thirty yards and it's like raw banger. But De Bruyne's his brain is like, no, I'm gonna pass this into the net from thirty yards. But the thing is, he's going to watch me do it, and that's just normal. Like, it's not... He's even just pass it, because, like, you've seen a lot of players pass it. He passed it without shifting the ball. He passed oh. it in his stride. <laughs> like, like, when he was he... running, like, I didn't expect him to shoot. I thought he was going to take another sh- touch yeah. and then shoot. But he just <laughs> won, I just see the ball leave his feet and just nestled in the back of the net. Man, laser beam. Laser beam. Literally. I was laughing. I, lo- I was a lot, like, for both goals... His goal and then the goal that he set up. All I could do, I was hysterically laughing. I was like, "This guy is taking liberties. Like he's boy in the league. Like he's trying. It's not even. Do you know what? For other people, you'll say, "Oh, he's trying things. He's not even trying things. All of the things that he's doing are all normal things that he has in his locker." Yeah, and I've seen before. before. Have you seen that clip? Have you seen that clip of him Um, where he 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 heads it directly into someone's part? Have you seen it? I need nah, to send nah, that. Nah. Scene, nah, nah, send it. It's send like it. a pass that he does with his head, and it's a thing where you're like, do you know what? You can't even say that he doesn't. He hasn't meant that, because this is just the alien AI level that he's at, where everything is just forensic. It's a joke. Like he's actually a joke. Like I know. I I, I don't. I think I said it to um you and the other boys in the group the other day yesterday, Daniel. But like, I I see no reason. Why he this guy is not in a conversation with your Zidans and your Iniestas. Like I, I see no reason, particularly when it's qualified by the fact that this is a man that's just won the treble as well. Like we're not talking about someone that's just doing amazing things in the Premier League. We're talking about a man that has significant trophies behind him, treble seasons behind him, potentially on the cusp of winning four in a row, a man that's scoring screamers at the Bernabeu en route to going to semi fight like to Champions League finals. Like he's boying football. Like a man has been injured for four months and everybody's been saying, wait, 
when 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 does this ever happen? In, no, in, no, no, no. I don't like. I don't think that's what where people wait about. and fear about someone's return. <laughs> And he yeah. returns, and he does exactly what we've been fearing. Clark literally right. said it. The boy nah. will end up, and the all of, all whole of England is scared. The whole of England is in fear. Did you, did you guys see that that, that, that old clip from um from from Gotti from the, the murder in clip when when um Fifty Cent was dropping it in the club and they're like, oh, maybe he ain't connected the dots, and then they're <laughs> barring you, and they're like, oh yeah, it's all over, yeah, it's done, bam. That's KDB right now, and the, the most favorable thing right now is he's not been fully fit. Yesterday, he wasn't even playing 100% with intensity. He was playing at walking pace yesterday. He was he, chilling. He said that. Did he, you hear his comment? He said that. He said he can't yeah. do 90 minutes right now. He said he can't do 90 minutes and that he can only do that for 25 minutes. And, bro, yes, he scored an amazing goal. Yes, his assist was amazing. But the thing that amazed me was City were dominating Newcastle. Newcastle could not get out. And City... There were so many times Alvarez will get in the pockets, Foden will get in, in the pockets, and Alvarez more so. They'll just make the wrong decision or a rash decision, and then they'll allow Newcastle to clear it. And then you're always thinking they've gone away with it. They've gone away with it. Every mm. time Kevin De Bruyne got the ball, he A, made the right decision at all times, and B, all his passes always put Newcastle on the back foot. You pass the ball to De Bruyne, first time pass to Foden, who gets about the edge of the box to his feet. All of a sudden, Botman's attracted to him. Shaw's attracted to him. It attracts space for other people out wide. Then you, they pass it to De Bruyne out wide space. And I'm just thinking, bro, you're doing everything at an elite level and you've been out for four months. It's it's crazy. In terms of what you said about in conversations with Zidane and Iniesta, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Only because well, with Zidane, didn't watch the majority of his career. I feel like... I get on to you about nostalgia. For me with Iniesta, I always have this nostalgic view of him. But one thing I will say, Kevin De Bruyne is the best midfielder that has played in the Premier League for me. And for me, it's hands down, if I'm being totally honest. And I think we've had some amazing midfielders. Gerard, Lampard, Scholes, Vieira, Yaya Toure, Patrick Vieira, Roy Keane. Kevin so if that's the case, why Kevin can't like, if that's if we if we if we all can, I, I would like to think we can all universally agree that the Premier League is the best league in the world and has been probably the best league in the world for a significant period of time. If that's the case, that you feel as though there's clear daylight between De Bruyne and his compatriots, why can't we put him in a conversation with Zidane and all of because like? But for me, I think what I just said about Kevin De Bruyne. I think about Iniesta, and you saw how I hesitated when I said there's clear daylight. For me, I wouldn't hesitate. Iniesta is way better than any midfielder that's played in the Premier League. And for me, there's no hesitation. With De Bruyne, I have to hesitate. And like with Iniesta, there's something <laughs> that Iniesta does that I don't think any of these midfielders could do. Like people talk about Iniesta with his passing, controlling the game. Apart from Messi, Neymar, Ronaldinho, there's not, I don't, I don't think I can mention a better dribbler than Andres Iniesta. And this is a midfielder. Yeah, and I would agree with you on that. But I think, like, I think if De Bruyne played then and was a Barcelona was in the Barcelona squad, I think he starts. I'm not saying he starts ahead of. I th I'll say I think they'll probably put Iniesta on the left wing because because there were two incarnations of that Barca side. There was the side that beat Man United in the '09 final, final. Yeah. Champions League final, which was Henri, Etu, and mm -hmm. Messi up front. I think. Henri comes out the side, Iniesta goes left wing and De Bruyne comes centre mid with Xavi and uh, Busquets. 
And then the other side, the 2011 side with Pedro, I think Pedro, Pedro comes out the side. Messi goes to the right. David Villa goes central. Iniesta goes left. De Bruyne again in the middle. I, like, think, I, th I, think, Bruyne, the I think De Bruyne goes right wing, personally. I don't think De Bruyne goes, plays in the middle for, for Pep. Because you remember what you were talking about with Rodri's pass to... to yeah. I feel like cute passes like that is what set Pep's team apart back then because nobody else was doing that. Nobody else yeah, had yeah, midfielders yeah. that could play those cute passes in the midfield. And I think Iniesta is a lot better than Kevin De Bruyne at doing that. And that's what separated... I don't think there's anything De Bruyne can't do, bro. I'm sorry, like... Nah. No, De Bruyne can't nothing. dribble like Iniesta. De Bruyne can't dribble no, like... No, no, he can't, but he will... But he will... His athleticism and his... And also, like, just his... He doesn't have the same level of ball manipulation or dribbling, like in, especially in tight spaces. But he will find a way. <laughs> like I'm not. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, he will find a way to maneuver himself into positions where he's gone from not being in in space to suddenly having acres of space. And it might be that he plays a cute cute pass around the corner and like a quick give and go, or it might be that he just powers his way through. But he will, he will find a way. The guy is the devil himself, yeah. He will, he will find a way to go from having no space to having acres of space. And suddenly the whole picture of the game has changed. And we're all completely concerned. Like, bro, I I don't know. I, I wonder, I wonder how much like bite back there will be for me saying this. But like I Anna, what do you think? I've not seen anything. I think he is the devil. I've not seen what I would say is though, um, he's getting older in it, and this injury, he's saying that he's going to play at a slower pace. If he gets into that deep line playmaker back and he boxes that as well to, to and he prolongs his career to like 34, 35 at a, at a high level, I'm talking he's still deciding title races for Man City well into his mid 30s, then yeah, he can be put in all time conversations with Gosh. the OGs. But for now, he's what 30, 32, 31. So if he prolongs his career by three, four, four years by playing as a deep line playmaker, still deciding big moments for Man City, then yeah, it's a conversation to be had. But yeah, right now it's peak fun. Also, people underrated with the Bruyne's been doing this since he was twenty three. Bro, this is what I'm saying. Like you've been doing since so twenty three. That season at Wolfsburg before he joined Man City, was crazy. Was like mm -hmm. the, the, it's not often that a player bads up the Bundesliga and people are like actually awake. Like he's probably. Yeah. People can correct me if I'm wrong. He's arguably the Bundesliga's last successful export. The last player that's left the Bundesliga club and actually succeeded. Like, the reputation he had in the Bundesliga, he transferred it to another league. Correct me if also, I'm wrong. He's the last player that's, that's done that. Yeah, also, people, people forget, yeah, he was Man City's player of the season. Three seasons in a row when he joined. 15-16, 16-17, 17-18. Man City's player of the season. Three seasons in a row when he joined, man. That. The guy is not he's not a human being. I'm convinced he's not a human being. Like I personally have no qualms with putting him <laughs> with Zidane and Iniesta. I have no qualms. Like the guy, like he's been he's been doing this. Like this this is just this is just what happened yesterday is just validation of what we already know. Yeah. For years. This is this is my point. It's like we've seen a man equal Henri's assist record. We've seen a man. We've seen a man, a, a midfielder, score four goals in a game. Of four goals in a game. 
The, I feel oh, like, like, like just silly goals. We see him score silly goals every every other week. Silly yes. assists. I've just posted I, what I just posted to you lot in the chat. He that's a headed curved pass that puts someone through on goal. <laughs> Go and look at it. Like the this guy is made by artificial intelligence. He's not a human <laughs> being. I don't know what else the Mima needs to do to be in discussions because when we talk about Zidane and Iniesta, we talk about them with such majesty because they do things that nobody else on the pitch is capable of doing or pulling off. And Kevin De Bruyne is in the exact same category. And the thing that makes those other people um, that validates their, you know, um, or that augments rather like that whole being able to pull off things that other people in the pitch can't pull off is the fact that they have either the numbers, goals and assists, or, or they have the trophies. And performances. Well, and it's not even just trophies, it's performances. Iniesta, Man of yeah. the 08 uh, Euros final, Champions League mm -hmm. finals, World Cup. He's got the World Cup winning goals. Zidane has got yeah. the winning goal as well. And and the mad thing is, this is the first time we've, we've actually spoken about goals. So they have all that ability. And then when it matters most, which is what we talk about with the top players, the world-class players, the greats, Zidane and Iniesta have it. Look, I'm not saying that's what separates them from the Bruyne. I'm just yeah. saying that's probably why people will have them above the. That board. probably is it. Like, and and he's unfortunate to play for, for, for a silly but, for a silly nation. Like, he's really <laughs> unfortunate in that instance, like to play for them, um, and I think that that holds him back. But I think, if, like, if you ask him about performances on a European on, on a European and domestic level, you're not like it's done. Like, so, boy, like. The guy is silly. He's silly, man. As I said for now, let's wait, see what he does in his twilight of his career. So what he's, he's 32. So if he can develop his game man, into a deep line. He's done player, enough, man. I've seen enough. He's that... come, people above. Look at how we're talking about him. Look at how people, you, you man are top of the league, yeah, Daniel. Arsenal, you lot are chasing the pack. Everything was la da People, <laughs> in the, people in the back of their mind were saying, bruv, bruv. De Bruyne is coming back. He's come back, and you're there with fit, and we're still have we're talking about our oh, wait, wait for the twilight. Bro, what about what twilight, bro? You man are sitting in fear, right? <laughs> what about wait for the twilight, bro? This is uh -huh. no player has made you feel like this. <laughs> no uh -huh. player has made you not be able to sleep. <laughs> Do you know the last player that made me feel like this is Cristiano Ronaldo? There you go. Yeah, and for the OGs, it was one refund. Henri had top defenders yeah. twisting and turning the night before. And Henri's up there. Henri's one of the greatest players that have ever played the game. Like, he's not just... But people talk about Henri like, our oh, best Premier League player ever. No, he's one of the best play strikers to play the what game. What a goal. Adley, what a finish. So, now, it's... Uh, it's... It, it's This ties into, like, a question I wanted to speak to you guys about. And I feel like this question has come about due to Arsenal's poor form. And I feel like, side note, I feel... I feel a bit sorry for players like Bukaya Saka because I feel like now people are shitting on him just because of the how highly people rated him. But the way we spoke about Kevin De Bruyne, that is a that's a world class player without any debate. I have two questions for you guys. What mm. constitutes a world class player? And in your opinion, because I feel like everyone has their own opinion. And then based on your own opinion, who in the Premier League? do you guys think is world-class? Because for me, 
I think there's nine definite world-class players and then four additional that Ooh. I can allow. But for me, definite, there's nine world-class players in the Premier League. Now, for me, my definition is, yeah, you're doing the basics really well every week, first and foremost. And secondly, you're consistently making a difference with your team. But it can't be for one season. It has to be over at least three seasons. I think, like, back to back to back, you're always there deciding games for your team. You're always there, you know, performing for your team. Rain or shine. None of this system bullshit. You don't need your fullback doing this. You don't need your mid... Basically, you don't need your handheld in any situation. No matter the situation, you're finna ball your mind out. And do that across three seasons, then, yeah, you can get your tag. But that's my definition. So it's like case, for you, it's like a case of the cream always rises to the top. Yeah, consistency as well. If you do it for three seasons in a row, then you're now entering that world-class, you know, conversation. For example, Vinny, this is what? So what, his first two, three seasons, he wasn't he wasn't amazing. Then the COVID season, when they won the league, he fixed up second for the season. Then the 2020, the, the, when did the 20 goals finish the season when won Champions League? Then last season. He did that back-to-back. And the yeah. thing is, like, his goals and assists, yes, that's great. But then, if you Breaking actually watch, exactly, watch Real Madrid, there were so many moments where, yes, Benzema, when he won the Ballon d'Or, he was making a difference. But in terms of who was the actual threat, who actually made defenders sleep at night, it was Vinny Jr. Every time he got the ball, you know, like, Rod, this guy's going to turn us back. Every time he got the ball... More often than not, he's going to beat his defender. Even Man City, the way like when they lost 4-3, the way he just turned Fernandinho on the halfway line. Yes, you can say, oh, it was Fernandinho right back. But how many times... That wasn't the first time Pep played Fernandinho right back during that running. And no uh, winger did Fernandinho like that. But it took a world-class winger, Vinny Jr., to turn him and punish him. So now I, I hear that. Also, even with Vinny, you can even say those two seasons are enough because he's going for the best club in the world. If you're having two back-to-back world-class seasons at Real Madrid, yeah, then you can get that world-class tag, I'm not going to lie, because that club ain't, ain't for the week. Behrman have gone there and gotten kicked out, despite them being amazing. Ozil got kicked out. Even Di Maria got, got kicked out. So it's a brutal club. So if you can go back-to-back seasons, whereby you're doing something crazy, you can get, a, you can get the world-class tag. But if you're playing for another yes. club, you need three seasons, I'm not going to lie. And it's funny that you just said Vinny, because he just scored a first-half hat-trick in the El Clasico. <laughs> Wait, is Real Madrid winning three now? Three one. Lewandowski scored a banger. Vinny, Vinny hat trick. You see what I mean? I, I find the world class is really difficult for me, but I, I had I had a, a loose definition which was, um, which I think probably is still skewed or biased towards attackers, but might still be able to work for like just anyone. But it was, um. So, like, number one, which is, I guess, like, the eye test. Like, when I watch you consistently, do you have the qualitative ability on field? And can we all agree that this person is, like, a top player just by watching them? Which I guess even still is, like, really loose and arbitrary. But then I guess that's why I have the other thing, the other two things. So that's the qualitative. Then the second one is, do you have significant stats to support what we see from your qualitative performance. So for a forward, like what do we know of your goals, your assists, your contribution from a day perspective? And then the third thing for me, which to me is like the big separator is your moments. So your contributions to a winning team, 
and I say that really importantly, a winning team in significant moments and for trophies. So like, that's where like a lot of people are talking about like a lot of Arsenal players as world-class. I don't think any of them can be given that tag until they significantly contribute to a team that wins. Let me, oh, yeah. let, me play devil, let me play devil's advocate here because you have three criteria. I'm going to give you one player who fits the, the first two without any argument, but doesn't fit the third. Harry Harry Kane. He's world-class, Harry Kane. Well, yeah. And I think I've like, argued this with other Spurs fans and I've brushed, I've said that he's not world-class because of that. <laughs> Maybe, but I'm just doing some... He, Harry Kane is probably the best forward in the world and, and is world-class, but what happen? What happens though if Bayern don't win the league this season? What happens if he just goes his whole seat, his whole career without winning a trophy? Like I know he's an amazing goal scorer, an incredible goal scorer. But what if he continues to choke in moments when a trophy is on the line, or it's an opportunity for us to get his team over the line? What if he has another moment against France where he misses a penalty? What if he he has another League Cup final where he's trash, or another Champions League final where he's trash? Like. All of these moments that he's had, these opportunities to actually get his team over the line, he hasn't done so. And and he sits as almost like the biggest aberration or anomaly in history. Like you can't, you can't think of a player that's been labeled world class that hasn't won anything. Yeah, he, he, he's the biggest football purgatory. I, I feel like football purgatory, isn't it? If he if he doesn't win the league this this season, it'll it'll be like haha, it'll be funny. Harry Kane goes to Bayern Munich, they don't win the league. But then I also feel like that's funny, that's good for Twitter clicks, that's good for TikTok videos. But if we actually break it down, look, Bayern did, nearly didn't win the league last season. The only reason why they didn't win the league is because Dortmund choked. So inherently, this Bayern team is actually not that great. In terms of the centre-backs, I play with Upamecano and Matthias De Ligt. I think, okay, with Upamecano, I think he's a lot better than people give him credit for, but he's still not that great. And De Ligt, He's still the third-best front centre-back for Exactly. And De Ligt, there's a reason why Bayern were trying to get centre-backs for a very long time. There's a reason why they got Eric Dyer. There's a reason why they tried to get that person that went to Spurs. I'm not even going to try and butcher his name. Dragosin. Secondly, in terms of him choking, I also feel like context needs to be applied to that. The only two times that are allowed the choking, that, which you mentioned, is the France penalty. That's poor. There's no excuses for that. And his first his first League Cup final against um, Chelsea under Mauricio Pochettino. The Champions League final, how many players have we seen rush back from injury? I'm not saying come back from injury. He rushed himself. No, no, he rushed himself back. That's poor. Yeah. But you can't expect him to play at his level in a Champions League final against Liverpool the absolute peak. Virgil van Dijk at his absolute peak and perform. So I feel like there you have to give him grace. But if Harry Kane does not win a trophy because this is one of the best England teams we've seen, if not the best England team we've seen, he's playing in a league where it's skewed heavily towards Bayern. And in terms of winning the Champions League, Bayern are amongst the best teams in Europe. If he doesn't win a major trophy or he he's not a difference maker, then conversations will need to be had. But I think based on your criteria, he wouldn't be world class because he hasn't done the third. But I think he is world class. Even even if based on my criteria, even if we were to like have him in as an addition or as an anomaly, yeah, I still think like the question for me, like we paid we paid too much attention to what we see 
like the the um the technical abilities of a player or like how good they are athletically or what have you and not enough about like what's going on in here like for me that's what makes somebody world class is your your mentality yeah and part of that mentality is is choosing making the choice to go and perform on the biggest stage um when the opportunity presents itself which harry kane put off for like 5 to 6 years to play for tottenham in a in a in a much less pressurized environment do you know what i'm saying like if you compare him to other spurs players like gareth bell like luka modric who were similarly being lauded for their performances at similar state at a similar stage in their career you know in their mid 20s they made a very significant decision which was I'm not going to lock myself into a contract here for a team that doesn't isn't guaranteed to win trophies or or isn't going to be playing or or playing in a position to regularly potentially win trophies. I'm going to put my I'm going to test myself at the highest level on the biggest stages on the biggest occasions regularly. That for me takes a world class mentality. Yeah, that Gareth Bale had, that Luka Modric had, that Luis Suarez had. Like these guys want to go and. They don't want to be the big fish in a small pond. They want to go and be amongst big fish and be the and biggest prove, fish there. And prove you know that. Is? And prove that it's not all hype. Shoulders with the big boys. It's a different thing when you're... It's a whole different kettle of fish scoring 30 goals, banging goals against Burnley to secure fourth place. Like, the, like it's a different level of pressure versus, okay, it's April now, it's May, we're playing for the league. Like, what do your goals actually amount to? Like, it's a whole different pressure. So, like, that's why I made the point about, like, that third point bit really is, like, your significant contribution to a winning team. Because, like, the the whole body, your whole body language changes, bro. Like, even even for some man, not even for some man, it's not even just about the occasion or the platform. It's even just about the shirt. Can you handle the Real Madrid shirt? Can you handle the Liverpool shirt? Can you handle the Man United shirt playing in front of 60,000 fans that expect to win every single week? I suppose you don't have that expectation. That is the world-class mentality that you've got to have. So that's why my critique of Harry Kane is what it is. If we want to have him as a normally fine, I don't mind that. But that point also kind of distills down to what your question is about, like world-class players, because like, Arsenal fans been were getting excited, especially last year when they were top until April and May. Yeah, Saliba's world class, Saka's world class, Odegaard's world class, this person, that person, rare, rare, rare. But these men do not know pressure. They don't know about, yo, it's time to play to win now. It's not no... Yo, City, City where yeah, you come off the back of finishing fifth. Do you know what I'm saying? You come off the back of just do, just play your ball, and nobody's expecting nothing of you. You're, you've surprised everyone. It's like right now, are you on winning now? Like, yep. it's a different thing, what, you know. Like when you sometimes win, yeah, it don't matter what the coach. It's a different thing. Even you lot know, like at a grassroots level, like you know when you kick ball in cage. And you're doing whatever you're doing, all kinds of tricks. And then, and when it's next, when they, when you hear next goal winner, that's next, when, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's when the Bro. ball is. That's when the ball is just like, right, that's see, when the ball right, is. Let's stop messing around. All right, give me and the ball. Niggas turn into CR7 on the playground, fans. Winning is scarier. Is is like I think Dave Chappelle even had the quote where it was like, um, 
success will take you where character cannot sustain you. Like it's a scary thing to be playing to win. Scary. Of failure. And then to be That's doing it year in, year out. I want you guys to hear oh. what nine, and I want you guys to see if you agree or if you'd add anyone. So my nine are Alison oh. Becker, Virgil van Dijk, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Mohamed Salah, Rodri, Kevin De Bruyne, Erling Haaland, Huming Son, and Kyle Walker. Bernardo Silva, bro. I would Silver. have Bernardo Silva. Silva's in my... Qu- Silva is in the four... You remember, because I said four that I was on the fence with. He was there. Mm-hmm. Andrew Robertson was there. I put him there, but I'm also 50-50 on him. John Stones and Ruben Diaz. Yeah. The thing is, with Pep here, he rotates his centre-back so much here, so it's hard to have an honest have like a full breath assessment of them because deep it none of um man city center backs here played 30 league games last season the highest was a kanji with 29 so it's hard to quantify in that regard because pep rotates his center backs a lot but i also feel like when pep wants to get serious and diaz is fit diaz plays wait, i feel wait. like there's a reason for that i wait, feel like you started the champion final i will give it back to you um stones and diaz isn't it Stones and Diaz, yeah. And then Sto- Stones inverted. The reason why I was 50-50 with Stones is just his injury record. I think ability-wise, he's gotten a lot better. And I feel like the past 18 months, he's matured into a good centre-back. I feel like his transformation is kind of similar to how PK was between when he went to Manchester United and Barcelona. I feel like at Manchester United, in the few games I watched him, I, I will know better than me. He seemed a bit lightweight. He seemed like something that can be pushed around. And when he went to Barcelona, for me personally, I'm thinking like, wow, who's yeah. this guy? He just became a man. I feel like last season as well, John Stones, high up in the group chat, other people always used to call him John Pebbles because he was just he was just a softy, something that you can push around. But in the past 18 months, he's not that type of centre-back anymore. And he's even shown it for England in the international stage. So those are my nine definite and my 13, if you add the other four, is there anyone that you guys would disagree with? No, I think or is there anyone that you think I'd add? I should add. No, I'll, I'm taking out Son. Okay, I love Son. I think Son's, but he doesn't fulfill my criteria. It, it that last point around contributions to a winning team. I feel like, listen, he's a top player, top player, top, top, top player. But for me to be bona fide world class. You need to make contributions to it. Yeah, but he dragged Spurs to the Champions League final, though, in Thank 2019. You. I, was, I was about to say that. He dragged Spurs to the Champions League final. There was a lot of situations. There was a lot of... Lucas dragged them to the Champions League final. No, well, it, well that, that was... He played poorly in the Ajax second, in that second <laughs> game against Ajax. But, but in the lead in the lead up to getting to that second leg against Ajax, Son was Spurs' main man. And there was several instances where Harry Kane would be injured and he'll fall on Son, and he became the main man. And yes, you yes you can say, like, this is a small thing. It's not a big, big trophy. But remember that thing where he had to play in a competition, and if they didn't win it, he's doing military service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can talk, okay, in terms of the stature of the trophy, it's not, as big, it's not your Champions League, it's not your Premier League, it's not your World Cups. But in, talk, in terms of the implications as to if you don't win, to have that on your back, yeah. and yeah. for you to deliver, bro, I... The reason why I think he's world-class, I feel like if Son came to Liverpool at 26-27, Son would have a massive impact, and I have no doubt about it. I agree with your, you have the mentality to take you out of that situation, 
But I also feel like ability matters as well in circumstance. I agree, but do you know what? I'm just going to be harsh and say it's ifs and buts. We don't know until you, you don't know. Like until someone is in that scenario where they're playing to win, we it's just hypothetical. And like you'd like to think that Sun would have been a banger, but there have been other players, there have been players that have gone to Liverpool or Man United or what have you, and the shirt is too heavy. Like Hazard yeah, the, the expectation is too heavy. Uh, maybe I'll the Hazard thinks I feel like maybe I feel like his injuries. I feel like his injuries and his probably his general attitude and apathy for football. I feel like he probably just hit a point because he went there when he was like 29, 30, I like. Yeah, 29. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think it was he, I think like Chelsea players used to say Hazard's one of the worst trainers anyway. I feel like he just didn't he's not motivated like that he just kind of rested on his laurels and just been like a really football was too easy for him football was too yeah easy. it was too easy for him too light for him so I'd rather that but I think there have been players that have gone somewhere and their shirt's been too heavy do you know what I'm saying like even like someone like Berbatov gone to Man United not the same person at all and he just peters into into not not insignificance but into Back, back, backup dancer trophy. It becomes a backup dancer where people aren't even remembering when Man United won trophies that Berbatov was even there. They weren't. They're not remembering as part of a significant like, player. 2011 Champions League final. He's your top scorer in the Premier. Yeah, yeah, he didn't start. No, don't even start. And it, and yeah, okay. Because he didn't offer on. enough. He didn't offer enough to the team, and he and he and he 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 became he cut a full on figure a lot. He scored a lot of. Apart from the Liverpool, that Liverpool performance, which was the when he boyed you lot, yeah. Of course you're gonna add that. <laughs> Aside from that, he was scoring a lot of goals that against. Did he like, score five against Blackburn that season? Yeah, I think you know what I'm saying like. So like yeah, he scored like what twenty one, eight and two games. Yeah, like it, it was like those games that no pressure. You know what I'm saying? Like he he was he was that kind of guy, and and I feel like there are a few players like that. I'm not saying Son is like that, but I'm saying until. You, we see it, we can't say with any certainty that someone would perform or not perform in that environment. So I personally would take him out and I'd put my guy, Bernardo Silva, one of my favourite footballers in, of the current day, Bernardo Silva, for me. Yeah, he is a baller. He go, he walk, he gets onto the pitch and just waltzes around like he runs the runs the whole show. He don't you don't see him give the ball away. Oddly, I'm only silly, silly, silly goal that he scored yesterday. Silly goals, and he and he scores important goals as well. Yeah. Like the goal, like the goals against Real Madrid in the semi-final. He's got the first two. See what I'm saying? The first two goals, even um, even like when Man City was struggling against um Luton a few weeks ago. He's got back in the game. Do you know what I'm saying? Like to 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 get them off um up and running before I think Foden scored the second. It's like he doesn't score or assist with any level of like significant like um like I forgot I don't know what. But I don't think that's an issue though. I feel like football has become an issue. GNA and people have forgotten about actual ballers. Players are actually. They don't give the ball away. He keeps. Ronaldo Silva is a baller and a team baller. Also, one thing people underestimate he's a definition of small body, my engine bigger, fam. The guy is very robust. Yes. Very robust. Very. Do you know what I mean, man? So, like, bro, like, he has to be in there, man. 
Sorry, I've, I just got distracted. I just see that Ghana are losing because I see someone, Chris, in the group saying Cape Verde. No, 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 it's good. The thing is, I actually don't want Ghana to lose. I want all the big dogs in the in the latter stages. But when I was... No, going, bro, we've had no shots in 20 in It's 20 calm, minutes. bro. The amount of Ghanaians I'll get onto Nigerians on Twitter. I've bookmarked bare tweets. <laughs> we've had zero shots in 20 minutes, you know. We're getting so, so Ghana certain man are getting quote to you at full time. <laughs> Where's Kudu? Is Kudus not playing? He's on if bench. he's not playing, that's just politics, man. He's on bench, bro. You know, what um, the hell? So, some African nation. No, he's not in the squad. Kudu ain't even in the squad. Nah, you're What's lying. You're lying. Kudu should be the first name on the team sheet. He's our best player. Yeah. Outside like party, he's our best player. Forget party, man. <laughs> I don't know none of these. I'm not gonna lie. The only guy I know is Jordan AU and then Salisu. I don't know none of these. Like, like, since 2010, you even our 2015 team was better than the 2010 team. But since then, yeah, downhill fam. Right. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, he's on the score. That's strange. Well, like also even yeah, R.I.P. Atsu fam. Like he also matched for Ghana as well fam. R.I.P. My guy fam. It was his birthday last week. Yeah, yeah of course. But Nana, is there anyone that you take out in in my nine or you add in my nine? Wait, I take, take out Walker. Yeah, Walker's in my nine. Yeah, Walker, Van Dyke, Walker, Van Dyke, and Trent are the only defenders. I know Haya's going to roll that statement. Are the only defenders that are world class on this list? <laughs> Trent is just a world class football player. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's a defender, <laughs> like, but he's a world class football player for definite. Yeah, I, outside I would, have, I would have Thiago Silva and Reese James. Reese James injured too much. Yeah, Silva, I'll allow you Reese James. For me, it's a it's a no chance. Nah, Reese James, nah, man. Wait, 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 wait. Do you know why I'll say it's a no chance? You know what you said about some if butter maybe's. It's the exact same with Reese James. Go and check. Go and because we're we're talking about if the eye test, you're a baller, you do it consistently. Reese James has not been doing it consistently. I feel like, and I'm not even saying this as a hater. I actually want Reese James to get his surgery, come back and not yeah, injured right. again because I feel yeah. like he's an amazing footballer. But in terms of him getting injured and actually playing a certain amount of games in the league to be considered like, yeah, you're world-class, he hasn't done that. How many times has he played over 20 games in the league? Or how many he, times he has he played? But he, he, he's won the Champions League, man, and he was one of the best players in that final. So was Mason Mount. Yeah, but Mason Mount ain't world class, though. Like, like, like. No, no, no. He's not world class, but no, no. But I'm saying like that specific point doesn't really matter. No, but it, it. But I'm saying if you, like, based on again the criteria, like, qualitatively, when I watch you the eye test, what are you on? Then, secondly, I guess your stat, like stats. To be honest, I need to know. I need to know a little bit more about what his stats game is saying. <laughs> but definitely, from watching and observing him and seeing how he's performed in a team that's won the biggest European trophy available to any professional footballer the, and the most significant. Would you so say Rudiger is world-class? Antonio Rudiger? Oh, yeah. Oh, he's probably... he's From what I understand, because I've not been watching Real Madrid religiously, but from what I understand, he's one of the best-performing players that they've got and one of the best-performing players in the La Liga right now. Well, also, also, he has like a track record that since they won the Champions League, yeah, he's been mashing work. That's what, 20, one, two, three, four seasons consistently matching work as one of the best defenders for the team he's played for. Mm. So he has that on his side, 100%. Bro, like, you know, boy, like, my boy Reese James is 
Nah, injuries have killed him. I'm not gonna lie, the injuries have killed him. But fam, like, fam, it's what it's from. Like, in, like injuries, fam. Like, he has to get the, the games going for him. You see, Kadipe, 2020-21 season, you could say that was his breakout season, one of the best in his position. Then the season after that, when it came third, had a good season. But last season, he was performances weren't the best, and it was injured on and off, on and off. Like and he needs that just that track. And it's sad. I'm not even saying this like as a part to Reese James because Reese James is a supreme footballer. I feel like when Carl Walker retires, Reese James should be England's right back and Trent should be England's midfielder. Right. He was even on, on, on Madrid shortlist for, for Carver Howe's replacement and injuries have killed that. Mm. Yeah, so it's great for him to come back because right now he needs to get his body right because no homo. He needs to, you know, trim down because he's too bulky for a fullback because that puts a lot of pressure on your joints, puts a lot of pressure on your muscles. As a fullback here, not meant to be that bulky for him. He like, looks like a running back, bro. Like, he needs to get that fitness condition correct. His flexibility is poor. Like, the, the clip of, of them doing a promo video, of them doing yoga for him, he couldn't touch his feet together for him. Like, he has a lot to fix with biomechanics. Otherwise, his career is going to end very quickly. Now, I'm happy he said no homo at the start, but... <laughs> <laughs> but now, Tiago Ti- Ti- Silva, yeah. That that's one person I missed out on my list entirely. To be to be fair, I'll give I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah. I missed him out because he's yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a ridiculous centre back. To be doing yeah, it yeah. at thirty nine and still be one of the best, he's he's ridiculous. And you know he have you watched the Netflix documentary of the captains? Nah, I I, I need to watch that. I was waiting. I watched that four four one. Wow, Rodrigo, but continue. What? I was just going to say, like, he has a personal like anecdote that he has where he speaks about, like, a really, like, um, serious health scare that he had when he was playing in Russia. Yeah, I think he had meningitis or something like that. Uh, he had tuberculosis. Yeah, TB. Yeah, and TB. he had, like, a really big hole in his lung. Could have killed him. And he was in hospital for, like, half a year, six months. And he says, like, he never forgets it to this day. Like, he shouldn't be playing football. And I think that's probably what's spurred him on to be still playing at the highest level at 39 years. Is it 39? Yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think it's 39, yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, like that's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> that is It's actually hilarious. Like, my man is going to be 40. <laughs> still one of the best performing centre-backs in the Premier League. Like, we've never heard of anything like this. How do... Why do we... I think it gets kind of... um like scuttled over because of because four, yeah four. but like that is like that's like like you remember when everyone was shot like Ryan Giggs like yeah, he's 37 he's still going just that and the other like this is what Ryan Giggs is on this is what Thiago Silva is on like he's taking liberties now that's 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 fair enough but no no if if you don't have anyone to add or remove we can yeah, move on yeah. to our... Oh. Yeah, I, I'd remove him, Sonny, because of um his purple patch allegations. Um, he seems to score in a lot of bunches in a prolonged period of time. Who? Um, son. Son, son, son. His high-scoring season, yeah, he, he always scores in a, in, a, in a run of games, then he goes like a long period of games and scores in another patch of games. But yeah, man, Son be on the cuffs of world-class, but I think he's one guy that would have elevated his game to a high level if he played for a better club because no one can be like Harry Kane whereby you can just do crazy stuff for, for a team that's not meant to win but yeah man I, I agree with this apart from Son 
fair. That's that's to both of you wanted some removals. We'll we'll see what our listeners our listeners say. But before before we end, it's been what 20, 21 games into the Premier League season. I was intrigued to see or to hear who you guys, if the season ended today, who you'd hand the player of the year to and who you'd hand the young player of the year to. I think we're going to be unanimous with the young player of the year because I feel like there's one obvious choice, two people who've been good. But I'm intrigued to hear who your players of the year are. Kevin De Bruyne, man. Nayo, man. Kevin De Bruyne. De Bruyne is the player of the year. I can't rely. That, that, that's why I said, I want to do this segment here around April time because there's sort of hope to be played from anything can happen, so that's why I didn't want to do this segment early, fam. But who, but who, but who has stood out for you though, in terms of Be- from this season? Yeah, Bayern have disappointed me, fam. Like, but, like the, the personal performances have not been good enough this season, man. Yeah, that's the first thing I would say is that I don't think that like anybody's been particularly outstanding. I think you can have like significant honorable mentions though to people like Declan Rice, to people like Mo Salah, to Jared Bowen. Um, Bernardo Silva, Brent. But for me, I would pick Bernardo Silva. And maybe yeah. there's an element of it that's sentimental, but I feel like it's sentimental because like that type of player is so overlooked. Like that type of player that isn't like isn't you you know in the modern age of this American GA shit that's in football and everybody's obsessed with. Like he isn't. He doesn't satisfy our desire to instantly look at somebody's stats. But if you watch him play, he doesn't have bad games. He doesn't have bad games and he contributes at very, very important moments on Manchester City. He 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 waltzes around the football pitch like he owns it. Like he the guy is someone that could easily have like seamlessly have fit into the Spain team that won the World Cup in 2010 or the Euros in 2008 or the Barcelona squad. Like, he is in the mould of your David Silvers. Like, not saying he's as good or as, as decisive as those guys, but he is he is in that wise, He's not far yeah. off. Ability, technical ability, appreciation for his pass appreciation, his... Like, top players, the, the game slows down when they got the ball. And when when Bernardo Silva's got the ball, it's like everything slows down and suddenly You're there's playing it at his pace. <laughs> and I, you I know? also feel like with top players because he was in my shortlist. My shortlist was him, Salah, and Trent. But I feel like with him, he can pick up the ball anywhere, and he knows what to do. Yeah, he can so pick well. up the ball at left back, calm, right back, calm, centre mid, calm, right wing, calm, left wing, calm. He's not one of those people like Nana will say he needs an underlapping. Uh, center mid and <laughs> right back his striker to come short show his right feet no he gets the ball anywhere and... no, ball for him. no excuses yeah, exactly no. Hoopers hoop. so for me I'm being biased and I'll say this full stop but for me my player of the year so far has been Trent Alexander-Arnold and I'm happy he's finally getting the flowers he deserves even from his haters the fact that Hyle called him a world-class footballer and I know Hyle has been on to Trent now I'm happy yeah, for me, it's not, it's not giving you names yet. I'm going to give you a short list of guys who will be there, there about to come to running firm. So Trent, Salah, and Bernardo, and, and KDB. KDB will, be, will definitely be in a conversation come the running firm. Your oppressor here is going to oppress us to, to the high nth degree firm between now and May. And for the young player of the year, 
it's, it's, it's going to be between Foden, Konate, and Saliba, fam. Like, those are the three young players that have stood up. Bro, hey, how you, do you hear that? <laughs> and I, I, didn't, don't, I, listen, I don't get the Konate thing. Not even rep Nana. Nah, I'm so happy. I'm saying that they'll be in contention, The reason why is because Hayo's been on to Kanate. But for me, the young player of the year for me has has to go. For me, there's only one name that has to go to, and that's William Saliba for me. Like, I feel like he is an amazing centre-back. I don't, I can't remember the last time I've seen a centre-back this young be this good. I think probably the last time I've seen a centre-back this young, this good for a decent amount of time. It's probably Gerard Pique when he went to Barcelona. I haven't seen a centre-back this young, this good. Maybe Hyle saw Rio Ferdinand. And when we're talking about that whole world-class thing, I feel like in terms of, if we use Hyle's criteria, I feel like Saliba can pass the first two criteria. And I feel like Saliba just needs a couple more years to fit your criteria, Nana, of doing it for three yeah, more One more season. He has one more season, one, bro. One more season. I feel like out of Arsenal's players, if you're going to say who's the closest to being world-class, I think William Saliba is the closest to being world-class. And this... also, even then, yeah, only two players from last season for Arsenal have upped their game. And it's been Saliba and Gabriel, the players that were there already from last season. But only them two have upped their game. And the crazy thing is, Saliba's game last year was so high to begin with. And to up it at that young age in a position where it's normally the experienced players who are very good. For me, yeah. he's the undis- For me, personally, he's the undisputed young player of the year, personally. I think... Honorable mentions. Foden, fair enough. I think he might be too old. Uh, Konate. Uh, Foden turns twenty four in May. They've they've reduced the the age. It's oh, okay, okay, yeah. oh, okay. I think, I think Konate 10. doesn't play yeah. it, and he hasn't shown. I don't have enough faith for him to play enough for him to be there in the running. No, but I think like we we contention though, especially yeah. Liverpool take it to the final day or the final weeks. So. I think yeah, Cole but... Palmer will be there as well, and Destiny yeah. Doggy. Yeah. It will be the main contention. Yeah. They, 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 this season, yeah, would have been, would been a would been a a clear dunker for for certain guy in North London, yeah. If it was serious, son, he's getting that trim, bro. Like, take away that that that. that. Bro, I, don't, I don't even think it's a clear dunk. My unpopular opinion is Saliba should have won it last year. My popular opinion is the last two young players of the year have been wrong. I think last year should have been Saliba. I think the year before, last year, Saka. Saka. Yeah, I think last right. year should have been Saliba. And I think the year before should have been Saka. I think Saliba, yeah, once I messed up with the injury, so he missed the final 11 games. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. That's yeah, why for me, he's a clear dunk because he's he is a supreme centre back. Yeah, so say what man. you want. He yeah. is he's a galactic. He's a future Galactico. Him. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Also, like he has the mentality that I want from the other guys his age in, in the squad. Like just. Just striving for perfection, fam. Striving to be the best. That's that's what I'm I'm missing from my 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 guy Bukayo, fam. Seems too comfy right now, fam. Because the one that pissed me off here post last season, yeah, was when they were still doing interviews here and asked them last minute winner, or you go out there and smash your position. And Saka said last minute winner, fam. I was like, he's he's so young. The mentality. I feel it it for um Bukayo Saka though. Like he's I. I think he's been. I think he's knackered. I think he's been Same. overplayed, and um, you know, obviously, because I'm, I, I've been relatively critical of him in terms of like the hype that I feel like he gets. But he is a really good player with a really high IQ, and I feel like he's tired because he, when he first came through, he he seemed a lot more explosive than he is. Like he's bucked up. 
Since then, he's had a growth spurt. Maybe, yeah, maybe it is due to that as well. But I do think that, like, if if he was fresher, because he plays, he he plays a almost every game. Football, every year, like, yeah. eighty-six league games in a row. It's but I think if he were fresher, you would see someone that can be a little bit more dynamic and direct. Um, let's see though, because um, Neto's on our shortlist for the summer. That's something we can rotate with him and Martinelli. Connect can play both sides quite comfortably. So, so can so can Saka. Like Saka came, he's like really. So Saka, Saka can play midfield, you know, central midfield. Remember, remember his cameos, central midfield. You like I think I think Arsenal should give him a go at playing left center mid because that that position right now needs some spark. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. That's that's where I'll blame our t- in terms of us struggling this season. Messed up the dynamics, dynamics here for habits of all people for him. Car, you, you can go for the touch me and Daniel had. I said, yeah, even if it bangs, he's a luxury player for him. And for me, yeah, I ain't got time for luxury players from because a lot of money. You limit us tactically. You need special environment to ball. You're taking up a space for someone here yeah, who can do can can offer more for the team yeah, in any game situation for him. So yeah, man, like I am into Martinelli. Yeah, the boy needs to fix up for him. Like it's not Arteta's fault. Martinelli can't pick his head up here and beat his man. It's not his fault that Konate dunked on his head here and you ran into his defender multiple times. So, like, the guy, he needs to improve himself because how, like, as as outside looking in here, do you buy these excuses that Martinelli's getting about, oh, he needs uh, support from his underlapping fullback, he needs no. support from his left CM, he needs to help from, he's just to combine with him, or it's just the guy needs to fix up? I think, I think the guy needs to fix up, but I feel like that the reason I have empathy for him is this is part of the same reason I have empathy for Saka is like not just the um the fatigue point, but I think I think the players have probably been hamstrung a little bit by the approach. Like I think Arsenal are I think in 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 an attempt to be a more robust team that can stand the tests that April has to offer and May has to offer. I think Arteta's created a team that is slightly more, slightly less dynamic, slightly less fluid, and a little bit sturdy. But I feel like his hamstring is like hamstrung the attack a little bit. So there's less dynamic movement, and they're slightly more cautious. And I think you see that in a few ways. I think one is the ball progression from midfield to attack. Like they don't move the, they don't get. Martinelli and Saka in 1v1 situations as quickly as they want. That's why I blame Martinelli. Like Partey not being there, I think. That's why I blame Martinelli. I think there's one important thing that like, this might sound so simple, but like, these players are young. Like, yeah, they they have... We also need to, like, we need to let young players develop. Not every young player can develop like Rooney and Ronaldo did. Rooney and Ronaldo are anomalies. Not every young player can develop like Kylian Mbappe did. Mbappe is an anomaly. Every young player is going to have growing pains. And it's just a shame that both of your wingers are having growing pains at the same time. And it's also unfortunate that these guys have to compete with a pet Manchester City that normally get 90 points, which means you have to perform week in, week out. With Manchester City, when they went for the treble, there was only one player that started every single game, and that was Jack Grealish. Foden didn't. Kevin De Bruyne didn't. Silva didn't. It's it's tough and it's it, these things are going to happen. Saka, also, but you but you do want to see you you do want to see young players like they're not they're not they don't seem as though they're even remotely on course to do the numbers that they were doing last season. 
Because I, I think like even if they do have dips in form and moments where they, where they don't feel um where where we where we shouldn't expect as much from them or where you can expect that 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 their their form may drop off. I don't think as an attacking unit, like I think when you watch Arsenal now, like I'll be honest, like what when Arsenal I used to watch Arsenal last season and I'm like, this is scary. Like I'm actually scared. Like it feels like every attack you're on the ropes. Whereas now they kind of seem a little bit ordinary, you know, like I was watching them against Fulham and it's one of the first times I've watched them and I'm like, these guys ain't going to score. Even the West Ham game, I was like, these guys ain't going to score, you know. It never felt like that last season. You felt as though Arsenal were always going to get a late goal. They were always going to like create a significant big chance. And I no. think there's something about the way Arsenal play now, which they just don't progress the ball as well. Like they, like, I think, I, I think, um, Xhaka not being there is actually a big elephant in the room as well. Like, Havert, this whole Havertz experiment that Arteta's persisting with is not working. It's not like... It's not worth it for him. Like, even if it bans, it's, it's not worth, worth it. Like, it's not worth so it. So, I don't get me wrong, I agree with Daniel's point. I think that there is something to be said as well for inconsistency from young players. But Arsenal just look a little bit more jilted now. They don't look like a really scary team to play against anymore in terms of, like, their attacking threat and their fluidity and what have you. I think they have the potential to do that and that you see it in, in bouts. Like, I think they, you, we saw it in elements in the Liverpool game as well. First half against Liverpool, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Quick, 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 quick stat, yeah. But since the Wolves game, yeah, Arsenal have been been presented with thirty big chances and missed twenty three, fam. That is just pure wastage. It's pure That's... wastage. But I'll be I'll caveat it with this: you can create big chances, but how many times have we seen games where a team is gets to the final third, wrong pass, gets to the final third, wrong. Pass, guess yeah. what? and then finally they get a big chance and then they snatch at it. I feel like with Arsenal, when I'm watching you guys, yes, you create big chances, but apart from the Liverpool game in the first half, where every time you went forward, it looked like you were going to score. Against Villa, yes, you had a lot of chances. Against West Ham, yes, you had a lot of chances, but it wasn't as if every attack, it looked like you were going to score. It was like, you get to the final third and you make a silly decision, and then you create a big chance five, six, seven minutes later. And when you have players like we've just discussed with Bukayo Saka, with Martinelli, with Jesus, who's not really a striker, a top well, striker. Jesus, yeah. Snatching at chances is going to happen. And I feel like if Arsenal have more games like you did against Liverpool, the goals will come. You'll win games. And I also don't think Arsenal are out of the title race. I don't think you guys... Yeah, neither do I. Yeah, well, well, not yet, but I think the issue is yeah, these guys haven't shown you that they can go the distance even if they don't win it. That's the issue. We're still winning, but can they go ten games on winning ten games in a row? Do you see that? Like, do you honestly see that? I I don't. I'm not. This is gonna sound harsh. It's actually fine because, like, I know you won't want to hear this, but bro, to do that is ridiculous. People talk about this Liverpool team, about this Liverpool period. Yes, we've had a good period, but there's only been like what three, four seasons or three seasons out of the past seven where we've actually got on a ten plus game winning streak. Bar City to do that is tough, man. So like oh, yeah, it's crazy, stick, you want something that's extraordinary with players who are not extraordinary. We just talked yeah. about class and not one Arsenal player made it. This, this is this is the thing. This is a big point that like everybody like is almost forgetting that you just raised Daniel is that like the it's not only the fact that these young play that the players are young and, and relatively inconsistent and they're not in their prime, but they're like they're 
Yeah, well, they're not world class. Like that's it's it's almost like this elephant in the room that nobody wants to discuss, and that Arsenal fans, not all Arsenal fans, but a lot of Arsenal fans have kind of like deluded themselves into believing is that their team is better than than they are. And right. we're talking and about Salah. Like, we're talking about yeah. we're talking about like icons of the Premier League: <laughs> De Bruyne, Salah, Haaland. Mane. These are the men that are doing Mane. Like these are the men that have have taken their teams to 97, 98 points, and Arsenal fans want to be going a distance with Jesus Martinelli. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like these are good yeah. players in their life right? to a gunfight. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, like, good yeah. players in their own right. But let's let's relax. Like it's not some fans who to say I was wrong. These guys ain't ready yet. I, I may have jumped the gun. Some some fans aren't prepared to do that yet. Instead, yeah. They're pointing things at the coach saying that it's, it's the coach's fault. But this is hundred percent to blame. Why we, we've not gone? We're not going to be the top of the season. I'm thinking, cool. He fucked up with the habits thing. He could only see chuckles a bit more here. But I'm sorry, if you guys really think these guys are, are, are at that level yeah, why are you not on their next year for their personal performances that have not matched last season or for them not up in their game? And that's what I hear about Arsenal. They, they're proxy fan. You can't think Saka Martinelli of the level yeah if you're not gonna hold them accountable. For their poor moments and try to deflect anywhere else, like for Martinelli, oh, it's Arteta's fault that he's not doing well as he did last season. Or when Saka has a bad game, yo. Oh, he's carrying an injury. Oh, he's tired. That's when that gets me from. Like, pick a side here and stick to it. If you think that they're they're world class players, treat them as such. If not, say that yeah. okay, I'm wrong, and they still have work to do for them to reach that level. And that's why that's what's been doing my head on Arsenal Twitter, fam. Pricks are talking about oh, get rid of Arteta, get Ancelotti. I'm thinking. Like you guys, you guys know what top size here. How many times do you see Pep on a touchline going crazy from in eighty percent of Man City's game, unless it's crunch time? He lets them. They they solve problems themselves. Or, or unless somebody has told him in his ear that you're on Sky, go crazy. Yeah, yeah. like even, even Liverpool at a peak. Like, <laughs> top teams are self managing, and I don't see it with these guys yet. And that's why I thought they could. They're going to crack the season whereby they don't need that much guidance from Arteta yeah, in game. Even even via Invincible, he said yeah. Bengo would just tell us to yeah, go play your game. In terms of the coaching in game, yeah, was me and Roberto telling people where to be from. But I took on the side layer, yeah, he thinks for these players, he tells them where to be, he's having to be. Uh, who, who's fault? Who's. Who's. Is, is that. I, I think both are ways of looking at that. I think, I, mean? I, think, I think you can look at it both ways. I think you can blame. Is Arteta a control freak? Yeah. Like, you can, you can he blame, just needs yeah. to sit back. Yeah, yeah. Name the players and say they're not mature enough to do things by themselves. Or you can also say that Arteta's boon fed them so much that when yeah. the going gets tough, the first reaction is they look at Arteta. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I want this team to for this team to get to the next level, yeah. They need to start being self-managing. And I, I just hope Arteta, yeah, somewhere down the longer line, yeah, just tells them for this game, no input from me. Manage the game yourselves. I want to see what you guys do. Because this team yeah is still in that mentality of we need our we need our we need our like sometimes this guy is always going crazy. Who, who do you think is the senior? Who's the SLT in the dressing room? Who's the senior leadership team in Arsenal's dressing room? Do you think? Apparently, it's Odegaard, Jesus, and and Rash is coming from like Odegaard. Yeah, I can allow it because he's he's always captain, so he has experience there. But Jesus, he has shown you. He's Wait, a, Odegaard's who? He's what? He's no, no, he's captain. Oh, do me a favor. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> Hi, you're a prick. Yeah, you're like, having a laugh. Norway's captain. I, I, I feel 
rice. If he if he if he's the guy, if he's the guy that's pulling rank in the dressing room, then Arsenal and you're in big trouble. You're I think it's even worse with Declan <laughs> As Roy Rice. Because... You're in bigger trouble than I thought. I think Declan Rice, leadership-wise, yeah, he can get there. But for somebody to come in and in just over six months as part of your SLT, you're not finding that at Liverpool. Thiago, who's had a very illustrious career, he was part of Spain's squad in 2012. Barca's squads when they were winning stuff. Yes, on the fringes. Bayern's squad when they won the treble. Came to Liverpool. He's not part of that SLT. He's not part of our SLT at all. You saw, you saw what Oscar Bob was saying yesterday. Look at that finish Oscar Bob did yesterday, the confidence that he had. And when they spoke to him, who did he say that was always giving him advice, always telling him what to do, always geeing him up? Kevin De Bruyne. Like, these, like, these are the sort of players. Big and, players and you listen to them because they've won things. Yeah. And you know, like, Rask can do give it the whole big one and be the governor from... East London or whatever the hell he is doing a whole English lad mentality thing. But he just he won a tournament that was made up last year. They created a tournament last year for teams like West Ham to win. And he's coming into the Arsenal dressing room and giving it a big I am. If I'm Saka and he's telling me do this and do that, I'm thinking, brother, what have you won, bruv? Like. Saka, no, bear mind, Saka was in the same dressing room as him in um, England. So, like, when England were having their failures, Saka would have seen what Declan Rice was doing leadership-wise yeah. then. I'm not saying he can't the, the guys that they... That's what I'm... People will laugh at me, but I'm saying Arsenal need to go and get Jordan Henderson or Milner, these guys that set the standards. They are significant yeah. parts of teams that... We're not, they're not Zinchenko and Jesus. They are the man in the dressing room that people are going to for advice. You know what's crazy? We have Mourinho, yeah, but Arsenal fans disrespect the fuck out of him, fam. No, but I'm even disrespecting him. What's he done? He ain't, bruv. He ain't. Yeah. He don't know what April's all about. He knows about cup tournaments. Yeah, well, he doesn't crazy. know nothing about April's heat. He doesn't know nothing about May time. And no, people, people yeah. might point to him winning the the Euros, but people are also oh, forgetting. Man, that, people are forgetting they had Chiellini. People yeah, forget the, Euros, the Euros, the Euros, and all of these, that all of these are cup tournaments. Bit like respect to those those tournaments. No, but you still have to win. Nah, nah, nah. But and you'll win it. Win. No, no, no. But you I'm saying big but... trophies that you play big games that you still have to win. No, and no, no, no. I'm not disrespecting those. Hundred percent, I completely agree. Yeah, but I'm saying when you're going for the league, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like having eight games to go. Like a, a, a knockout tournament is a knockout tournament. You play. You, you play a game, you, you win or you lose, you go home or you stay, yeah? But I'm saying, like, like there's, like, a draw in a knockout tournament, there's no such thing. There are draws yeah. that can affect morale in April. There are, like, Liverpool, Arsenal went to Liverpool and drew 2-2 to a team that doesn't... Well, have to... control and capitulated, bro. But, bro, but look at it like this. Look at the context, yeah? Arsenal went there and... They were 2 no up. And as Arsenal fans, and, and probably as the team internalised it, they went there and they capitulated. That's how they internalised it. That's probably the message that was transferred in the dressing room. That's probably how it felt in the dressing room, yeah? By contrast, oh, and on top of that, um, Zinchenko's, um, there's pictures of Zinchenko on Sky. Right. Right? On that that right. the, guy that, <laughs> the, guy the guy that you're supposed to look to. By contrast, I remember, and I think I've said this story before, when I was watching Vibe with Five, Rio Ferdinand, 
his first season at Man United, 0203, when they ended up winning the league. But remember that. If you guys can remember, you're a little bit younger, but you might, might still even. Weren't Arsenal like 12 points they were, they were, yeah, they were, yeah, they were 12 points clear at one stage and, until they went to Bolton, I think, and drew 2 2 there and yeah. then crumble. Um, that's when Okocha was doing mad flicks and tricks. But anyway, I, there was a draw that Man United had. I think I think I think Ferdinand said it was some any team like a Sunderland or something. And he's gone back into the dressing room, and he is depleted. He's like, "That's it. We've like the league. We've 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 messed up. I've messed up the league. We've finished." Yeah. Obviously, Ferdinand has come from Leeds. He don't know about April and May. Then he said, um, "Roy Keane has come in to the dressing room, and he said, "Boys, what a result! Good point like, away." We've got another point. We could have lost that, and it and he and he said that it completely changed his whole picture. He's like, "What? What's my man saying about we?" So it's hot, like the Premier League. That they're gonna drop points. We're gonna drop a couple of points, but it's about staying there right until the end. And that's the mentality that Arsenal do not have in a dressing room. They don't have those experienced people that know what it takes to win a league. Like, I'm not saying winning the Euros is one thing, winning the Champions League is one thing, winning the FA Cup is one thing, but knowing what April is all about and how to navigate those conversations in April through to May, Arsenal have no one in the dressing room that knows that. And that's why for Liverpool, James Milner was so important because he'd been through that twice over. That's it, that's it yeah. He'd been through that twice over and was like, boys, relax. Like, And not only was he saying, telling people to relax and compose themselves, but he's also setting standards. Trent, was saying that um, this man's collecting fines. If people are, f- are 10 seconds late, my yeah. man's collecting fines. Trent saying that he was the person, when he came through the academy, he was the person they wanted to impress the most. James Milner. Who who do Arsenal players want to impress? Who do Arsenal players look around and see? They set the standards here. They set the culture. They uphold the cultural framework by which... You know, and that's and that's why Trent is now the vice captain, and that's why he's the vice captain, and that's and that's, that's why my vice point because yes, you can say big money signing and all of that, but Trent is vice captain over Mo Salah, who's done who's done way more than Trent in the game, who has a lot more experience than Trent in the game. So now nah, let's. Hey, 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 but, hey, but on the other hand, yeah, like to be fair, like, in the market right now, yeah, like, for me. I think the team is also a reflection on the fans. The fans internalize every single result. We're either the best team in the world here or yeah. the worst team ever. And I think that also reflects in the stadium. Arsenal don't like to admit this. They're like, oh, the team has, has performed for us here for us to, you know, G them up. I'm thinking, if you make the decision to go to the stadium, you cannot watch the game like you would at home. How, no matter how big the game is, yeah, I agree. you have to be G up. Like, you have to be, yes, we can do this because. The stadium is over. Sit at home. You can you can cow behind the the couch, be a pussy. But if you're in the stadium, you make a decision to go to the stadium. You have to be on it from minute one to the bloody end. And also, fans, you're gonna have to admit that that they're also a reflection of the team. From both of you are mentally weak and absolute pussy, son. Also, thirdly, when would these cool leaders are made about when would these guys learn from their mistakes in order to be that type of leader? Then because they've been through the pain of missing out on top four. They've been through the panel, bought in the towel. When do we ask you a call? When would they internalize these? Some mistakes? people never learn, bro. Hard, man. Sorry, I'm not. I, I know we want to wrap up, but it's really hard. That's why people. That's why teams buy them, isn't it? Like, if, like, if, if look at the history of Premier League winners. Yeah, even think about like that first. Um, Chelsea team, like John Terry, like has so much potential. 
He's lucky. My mum was coming up alongside Marcel Desai, World Cup winners, Marcel Desai. Champions winners as well. Being alongside. League title winners as well with Milan. And league title with Milan. And then he had, and then he's got Jose Mourinho, who's won Champions League, leagues in, Port, in, in Portugal. He won trebles. Like, even, even, even Man City, the, the first title, they had Tevez. Yeah, Tevez. Guys that's been there and done it before. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you need... Even Leicester City had Robert Hoof. Robert Hoof. Like, people who've been there, like, and... Been there, done that. I'm fucking I'm the trend fam. Like, I was right. I'm fucking the trend. You've got to have those people who, during crunch time, they are a voice that can be like, boys, it's, they can change the picture. I've been here before. It's cool. But the problem with Zinchenko and Jesus is they weren't the voices in their dressing room. Back they were the guys that were being calmed down. Yeah. When Zinchenko played uh, Man City the first time, the way Kyle Walker treated him like a little, Ooh, like a little brother. Pushing him around. Pushing him around, bro. Embarrassed. Yeah, so that, yeah, even his conduct, yeah, at the back of the last season, he's saying, oh, the team were immature. I'm thinking, was you, you were immature, fam. Odegaard and, and Martinelli and Saka, yeah, build us up against Southampton, yeah? And you're talking about, oh, the team was immature, fam. Was you, fam? Fucking pussy, or fam. Was you, fam? Talk about I don't think Arsenal are far away. Honestly, I think it is just like... A journey. It's a journey, but I do. I think for me, the the biggest issue is Arteta does. Like I think Arteta actually identified what I'm saying really early on, but it was too early in the journey. Like when he brought in Willian and yeah. David Luiz, he was doing what he needs now. Like at then, he just needed to change. Like he needed to clear things out, and he needed to like establish his own blueprint. But he brought Luiz and Willian in, and it didn't really. Luiz was here before. Willian was. Here. Yeah, and and uh, Louise Louise really bought into the project, but I think Willian was probably disengaged and what have you. And was also, I've also got Saka talks about Louise as well. How how w. Louise yeah, put a hand on your shoulder, then told him same same, same as well. Because Louise 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 has been around winners. He knows he knows like no, no, he's been there. Man. Oh, so, so he's, so been around the he's been around. Also, about yeah, but, Conte. Yeah, but, yeah, but this is one. thing about Arsenal fans being pussy, idiots. They just disrespected the fuck out of Louise. They didn't care what he's offering off the pitch. All the kids about oh he's fucking shit, he's a walking record. You see what Arsenal fans fam? You see why I, I hate I hate these cunts? They don't respect <laughs> greatness, fam. But you know what these mean. things, it's the same thing in every workplace. Like think about like, think about like in, in any of your workplaces where you've worked at and you've got a mad deadline that you've got to work toward and you're panicking and you're pressuring. You know that you're panicking and the pressure's on, and you're pro if you're amongst bare young people, they're all panicking and pressuring um, under pressure themselves and be like, oh shit, are we gonna hit the deadline? But then sometimes if you just have that step senior person or that manager, it's like, it's cool, man. I'll push back on the client or just relax. Like, this is your opportunity to do, to do great work. Like, I've got you. I'm going to be there to guide you. If you need any extra support on it, don't worry, I'm there. It just changes the whole picture and your whole confidence to, to, to perform to a higher standard. You know what I'm saying? And at Arsenal, there's just too many youngers who are panicking and fretting and worried. Like, I, I honestly think, like, a bigger concern for me if Arsenal want to actually like reach the apex of this project is getting senior leadership. Like I think the whole goal scoring problem, I think it can correct itself to be honest. Like I think if they make a few tactics. Oh, yeah. we, we just say like someone like uh, Osman would count as senior leadership if someone's want to leave with Napoli the first no, time. No, 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 no. I think won't. you want a, a good, like you could have got a Gundogan when he was like, Gundo, imagine that. Getting Gundogan off the back of that season, like that would have been a perfect signing, man. Oh yeah, Arsenal fans pushed back. Oh, but guess what? Arsenal fans pushed back. They were like, "Why are we getting City's leftovers? Someone looking for a final payday." 
Like, just, just, just he, he was a voice in that. Like, don't Kundalam wasn't just like Zinjenko and these man. He was, he's a, he was a captain. Yeah. He's, he was yeah. six, he's captain. He actually, times before with Dortmund, with Dortmund. Oh, mm-hmm. Pep is smart, fam. He got, he got that one as well. That's one of his first signings. Two time one of the champion. Pep, I would, I think, I think Arsenal should be looking at Henderson's situation and just uh, people laugh at me and think that I'm st- saying silly things, but I promise you, I'm not. Like, they need that person in the dressing room that's just gonna what about, yeah. in, how about how about that in the form of a coaching hire someone who's been there done that to be part of the backroom staff I, I don't know I, I don't know like when I think about the trend in Premier League history it's either it's either a manager has that significant experience or there's someone in the playing staff and and they don't even necessarily they don't need to be someone that plays every week they don't need like I think that's that was the thing with Arsenal fans is they were like, oh, we don't want City's leftovers. We want someone who's in their prime, someone who's going to... Con- like, I don't think you need that in those environments. Like, even, um, you know, the player that Man City players talk about all of the time, who's like one of the most significant people in their dressing room, if not the Scott most... Carson. Scott Carson. Yeah, Scott Carson. <laughs> he regulates the whole environment. And, bef- and before last season, he was the only player in the City squad that had won the Champions League. But guys, <laughs> on that note, because <laughs> we can be here forever. Kyle, love for coming on. It's been another that. episode of Views from the Box. And let's see if Arsenal can correct things starting next week against Crystal Palace. Take care.